All right. So, this is the last week in our JJ original series, Jared and Jessica, okay? Loving otherly. So week one, Pastor Jessica laid it out there how if we're going to love God, then we have to love our neighbor because God doesn't necessarily need anything from us, but he asks us to love those whom he loves. In week two, I talked about how sometimes we have this tendency to think we're too holy to associate with sinners. And last week, Pastor Jessica talked about how sometimes we don't tell people that they're worth our time. We act too busy to love our neighbors. So we're going to get into what else there is that we could be too much of that might be dangerous. So going to Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 26 chapter, 19 of Matthew, verses 16 through 26. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what is good? Jesus replies. There's only one who's good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, Keep the commandments. Which ones? The man asked. And Jesus replied, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect... Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad. Everybody make a sad face. Went away sad. Okay. <clears throat> For he had many possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. This is the word of the Lord. So we're talking about a really difficult subject today, okay? So this is where I need crowd participation again. And so I want you guys to think of something that is as hard or harder than a camel going through the eye of a needle, and then send someone up to share it with everybody. So parents, screen your kids before they come up here so we don't have something crazy. But I would like you to take a few minutes, talk about what, what could be harder or as hard as a camel going through the eye of a needle. Think about it.
Got any? Walking on water, okay. I don't know, I was just going to talk through two mics there. Anyone got any other examples? Want to come up and share? Who are you pointing at? Oh, okay. Go for it. Do you have one? Oh, okay. Thank you. A car going through a buttonhole on my shirt. Okay, that's good. I like that. Any other ones? Winning an argument with my wife. (laughs) All right. Well, that... Oh, okay, one more. We'll do one more. That was good. Did he have one? Okay. Oh, well, there's two. Sharing your actual feelings towards someone, like confessing that you like them. Oh, man. Laying it out on the line. Okay, Dana, this is it. Creating earth. Creating earth. So it's a difficult thing, right? We're talking about a difficult subject. And so the man asks this question that I think all of us have in the depths of inside of us. That's, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to be saved? What must I do to live forever? So Jesus gives the man the answer that he desires. He says, keep the commandments. But what's interesting is that the guy presses further. That's not a good enough answer for him. He said, okay, but which ones? And so Jesus lists off, okay, well, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus quotes five through nine of the Ten Commandments, but then this still isn't good enough for this guy. He says, what else must I do? Now, it seems like there's something stirring inside this man, okay? Because he keeps pressing Jesus for a more specific answer. What else must I do? And Jesus says, well, if you want to be perfect, sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Turn to your neighbor, say, neighbor, sell all your possessions. It's difficult. I got to get rid of my pizza oven my wife just got me for Christmas. You want me to get rid of my car? You want me to get rid of my shoes? That's what Jesus says to this man. Sell all your possessions and give your money to the poor. And this cuts the man to the heart. And, you know, when I look at this passage, it seems like the man already knew the answer to the question because he kept pushing Jesus to see, okay, I hope he doesn't tell me to sell everything. I hope he doesn't tell me to sell everything. Now, I could be wrong, but you go to this guy who's considered a teacher and you keep pressing him to give you a more and more specific answer. It seems like the Holy Spirit had already been working in him to tell him that maybe 
he should give up some of his possessions, that maybe he'd been too selfish. And so I want to dig into these commandments a little bit that Jesus quotes, because as I said earlier, Jesus doesn't quote all the Ten Commandments, which is interesting to me. He says, keep the commandments, and then he says, five through nine. So he skips the first four, no other gods before me, no idols, keep the Sabbath, and then don't take the Lord's name in vain, okay? And then he goes through five through nine, and then he skips the one at the end, which is ten, don't cover your neighbor's stuff. And to me, I'm like, okay, well, why would he leave that out? One through four, maybe just because those are really simple, easy to keep. But 10, if you're a rich man, what stuff are you coveting? Everyone's coveting you, right? Because you already have everything. I can't be sure, but it's interesting because Jesus doesn't quote number 10. Instead, he puts in this quote from Leviticus, love your neighbor as yourself, okay? So going to Leviticus 19, 18, which says this, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I'm the Lord. So what's going on in Leviticus when this is happening? So there seems to be just a whole summary going on of ways to not be rude, evil to your neighbor, not to take advantage of your neighbor. And it finally gets summed up in this verse, in Leviticus 19, 18, with love your neighbor as yourself. Just love your neighbor as yourself. And it seems like Jesus is doing the same thing here because all of those things that preceded it are really just about loving your neighbor, right? Don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't bear false witness. So what exactly is going on? Because the man says, I've kept all these commandments since I was young. He feels like he's good. But notice that Jesus never affirms that. The man affirms himself. I've kept all these since I was young. But then Jesus says, well, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions. And when we think of perfect in American culture, we think like diamonds, okay? Absolutely without flaw, what your fiance would just dream of, right? No imperfections whatsoever. Flawlessness. That's what we think of when we think of perfect. But the biblical view of perfect, when Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, is different. Because, again, like I said, we think of flawlessness. But the Bible thinks more about completion. So let me tell you what I mean. So when I was a kid, my step-grandma started this coin collection for me. And you know, for some reason when I was a kid, I thought that everyone had to collect something, like every single person on the universe needed to have a collection of something, whether it be stamps or coins or whatever. So my step-grandma was helping me out, okay? But you remember when the 50-state quarters came out? And so my step-grandma got this like nice little folder thing where we could put every state in there. 
But here's the thing. You didn't just need all 50 states. You needed each version of each state because they had different letters on them. It wasn't immediately noticeable. Like one might have a D on them, but the same back was still on there. Okay? So you got to get 100 different quarters. It's a lot to nail down. But when we think of perfect, we think of every single slot filled and every single quarter in mint condition, shiny. No one's ever used it for any purchases. But the biblical version of perfection would just be that every single slot is filled. It didn't matter if it was dingy. It didn't matter if the quarters had been used as an Aldi quarter or been used a few hundred times for Pac-Man or used for the gumball machine at the bank. It wouldn't matter. If every single slot was filled, then it would be perfect. And you could set that right next to another set that had almost all the quarters except one, where all of them were in mint condition, but it missed one quarter, and it would be imperfect compared to this one that had dingy quarters but filled every single slot. So when Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, he's not saying like, hey, you just got this little flaw we got to iron out. He's saying you're missing an essential piece of your spiritual life. You are missing an essential piece of your spirituality. The rich man was missing an essential piece of his spirituality. So him being rich Him not selling his things was somehow a missing component, a missing quarter in his walk with the Lord. He wasn't perfect. He was missing an essential component. And somehow his money was standing in his way. But then that brings me to the question, just how much money did he have, right? Because what is the line between not rich and rich? Well, I think we can infer a couple of things, okay? So for one, um, he is just walking around in the middle of the day, so it doesn't seem like it's that important that he's at work. So maybe he had a few streams of passive income. He's published a few books on Amazon or has a few Chick-fil-A franchises. And on top of that, it said he had many possessions, So if you got many possessions, you normally got more than one house, right? So he had a house in the city, in Jerusalem, and then he had a house on the Sea of Galilee and three or four super camels, um, (laughs) faster than all the rest of them. And so let's say this man was making a six-figure income, at least, right, in today's language. So if you're making six figures, are we supposed to say that your money is standing in the way of you following the Lord? Because evidently for this man, it was that he wasn't doing something right with his money. But what if there's something else? Because... The rich man, I think, saw loving your neighbor as yourself, as everything he didn't do to his neighbor. 
okay? So he didn't steal. He didn't commit adultery. He didn't lie about them. He followed all the rules, but he missed the point of the rules. He followed the letter of the law, but he missed the spirit of the law. What am I saying? How many kids have played lava tag or adults, adult children in the room? Played lava tag, anybody? Great. So, I mean, basic concept for those of you who have not played before. Essentially, there are X amount of surfaces that are counted as lava. And if you touch them, you die, theoretically, okay, in the game. And so you're just trying to avoid touching those surfaces and also play tag. And everyone understands tag, right? But what if there was this kid who every time he played just went up into this tower and sat there for the whole game? He was away from the lava, but he never interacted with his friends. He stayed away from the bad stuff, but he never touched anyone else. That's sort of like what the rich man is doing. As he's staying away from the lava, I'm not doing any of the bad stuff. I'm not committing adultery. I'm not stealing. I'm not touching the lava. But he never played the game. He never truly loved his neighbor as himself. Because love is what you don't do and what you do do. And yes, I just said that in the family service. Do, do, okay? Follow me. Love is what you don't do and what you do do. What you aren't doing is just as important as what you are doing because this man was thinking about his money, his righteousness, his salvation, and making sure that he followed the law and didn't wrong anybody, but he never blessed anybody, it seems like. He never truly loved other people like he loved himself. He never touched other lives with his money. So at this point, I'm going to, if I asked you to pass out papers in the room, take your positions and start passing them out to everybody. We're going to use them. So once you get a piece of paper, have self-control. Don't write on it yet. Okay, I know I would struggle. And then wait for an instruction. But I'll continue going here. So passing out the papers. He never touched other people's lives with his money. He never loved other people with his money in the same way he loved himself with his money. He walked away sad because he couldn't imagine giving up his possessions for other people. And so while he never did anything wrong, he never did anything for his neighbors. Now, Now we get into this question, though. Is it really all about the money in this passage? Because certainly not all of us in this room have tons of money. Amen? So all that being said, is there some other lesson that we can catch from this? So kids, I got a question from you. Do all the kids in your class have the same problems? They all have the same problems, exactly the same. You're clones. 
No, we don't have the same problems, right? We get dealt with differently. You parent different kids differently. You have different relationships with different students based on how they react to things. Everybody is different. And so I want you to just recognize something because this guy walks up to Jesus and while everyone is there watching, he has a one-on-one conversation with this guy. It just happens that there is people, are people who are eavesdropping, okay? And every time Jesus says you, it's singular, not plural. He's talking directly to this rich young man who we do not know the name of, okay? So he comes face to face with this man and says, keep the commandments, these are the ones, and then if you want to be perfect, if you, let's just call the guy Joshua, okay? If you, Joshua, want to be perfect, this is what you need to do. This is the essential component of your spirituality that stands in the way. For you, you are too selfish about your money. It stands in the way of you loving me and loving others. Now, what I'm saying, I'm not saying that what Jesus was sharing with this specific man is not applicable to all of us, but I do think that each and every one of us need to have an encounter with Jesus in the same way the rich young man did. Because Jesus will show a different thing to us. Jesus reveals how we keep ourselves from loving him and loving others. Jesus reveals how we keep ourselves from loving him and loving others. How we are so selfish that we don't love on other people. So specifically, I'm just thinking in this area is like, oh, well, Jesus might not point out something to me about loving other people. But just think in that vein, because we're in this series, loving otherly. What are you so selfish about that Jesus wants to put his finger on it? Because it's keeping you from loving him and loving others. Is it a hobby? Is it your family? Is it your money? Is it your job? Is it something else? So now I'll tell you what the papers are for. I just want to have a time of silence for you to commune with the Lord and see if there brings anything to mind. And you can draw it. Draw it on that piece of paper. Anything that might be standing in the way of you loving Jesus and loving others. What he would say to you to get rid of if you wanted to be perfect, if you wanted to be a well-rounded Christian. What is standing in the way? Take some time to draw on those pieces of paper.
Now you may want to continue your spiritual art project at home, but I want to bring this to a close today. So I want to give you three application points because whatever you wrote on that paper is between you and the Lord. I can name off things, but until you have a personal encounter with Jesus, it can't be changed. And I know it might make you want to walk away sad like the rich man if Jesus is asking you to get rid of this. But this is the good news. This is where the thing Jesus says right at the end comes into play because he says, humanly speaking, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. Or let me say that another way. With God, all heart changes are possible. He can make you into a more selfless person who isn't too holy, who isn't too busy, who isn't too selfish to pour out their lives for other people. With God, all heart changes are possible. Quit saying you can't do it. You're right. Ask God to change your heart. Ask God to change your heart. With God, all heart changes are possible. So step one for application. Have the personal encounter with Jesus. He's going to be able to tell you better than anyone else, what is wrong within your soul. Have a personal conversation with him. And then secondly, if we want to get really applicable, make Jesus the Lord of Easter. So I sort of hinted at this the last week when I was up here and I wasn't preaching, but here's the case, is that it's ironic to me that the Sunday that is our highest attended Sunday is also the Sunday we're most tempted to get out quicker because ham's waiting for us. As I love ham, don't get me wrong. But I want to encourage you, on this Easter that's coming up, don't think about what's happening right afterward. Don't say, no, I'm not going to serve because it's Easter Sunday, I got plans. We all got plans. But this is the biggest Sunday of the year. Are you really going to be so selfish that you're not going to want us to be the best team we can and having all the people available pulling their weight so that we can bring people closer to Jesus, so that more people can come to know the glorious power of his resurrection? It's not about us on Easter. The Easter egg hunts the dresses, the pictures, the ham, it's all great. But I want to challenge you to reflect today and when you go home, how can I make sure that Easter is truly centered around Jesus and his priorities instead of my priorities? Make Jesus the Lord of Easter. And finally, you're going to fake it till you make it. Or rather, fake it till he graces it. I thought of that after I already made the slides. So if you like that better, you can write it down. Fake it till you make it. Fake it till he graces it. If you keep making the excuse, oh, I just never feel like it, so I'm never going to do it. I'm never going to lay down this thing I'm selfish about. I'm never going to try to associate with these people that are sinners. I'm never going to try to lay down my time because I just don't feel like it. Just do it anyway. And give God the opportunity to change your heart. Put yourself in the space where he can pour out his grace on you and transform your heart because all heart changes are possible. All heart changes are possible. So now we're going to be moving into a time of communion this morning. And so I invite the stewards 
and the dismissers to just take their positions as I explain everything that will be going on today. Jesus gave us this meal that represents his body and his blood, the bread and the juice, so that we could remember his sacrifice, his selfless sacrifice, and also so that we could remember that he's coming again. But we recognize that in this meal, that God meets us in a supernatural way. That when we participate in it, God sheds out grace that we don't understand and transforms us. And we need some heart transformation to be people who can look more like Jesus, who aren't too busy, who aren't too holy, who aren't too selfish, so that we can love otherly, so we can quit fixating on ourselves and start fixating on others. So that being said, we're going to be partaking in intinction today. So you're going to come forward when you're dismissed. You're going to go to the station that is nearest to you. So there's middle section here, middle section here, side sections. You're on the side tables. Okay. You will get a piece of bread. You'll dip it and then you'll partake of it right there. Okay. And so that being said, let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this time where we're challenged to love people the way that you love them. Lord, we ask that you would bless these elements to our body, that we could be drawn into your presence today, that when we partake of the body and the blood of the bread and the juice, we would be filled with the grace to have hearts that are transformed, to love other people like you do. We pray all this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.